I don't think he started. He wouldn't do that. He would just start it without letting us know. It's, Are you sure? Yeah, because he knows I like he knows how I get. So there's like no way he would just push record and let us talk and not tell us. No, that's that's an invasion. You know what I mean? An invasion? Yeah. An evasion? <laughs> yes, it's an evasion. He's evading <laughs> being truthful. <laughs> that's an insurance, and you know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello! No! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Birdolog cast, episode one, uh, the primary unique podcast to talk about birds and their ornithological uh, friends, uh, which are... Bird watchers. Uh, we are we are of course uh, the birdologs. We are uh, the the primary uh, bird watchers in the uh, you know Midwest. Yes, it's true. I think the, the the unique, amazing bird watching club. Premier. That's the word I'm trying to think of. Premier bird watching club. We travel to bird watching conventions all over and all over the do our shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like. Uh, 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 San Diego Birdicon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear, we're in the Midwest, so it's uh, San Diego, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, PAX, yeah. which uh, of course stands for uh, the Prime uh, uh, Avian uh, Expo. Expo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still Expo. It's still Expo. And again, uh, I want to uh, apologize to the uh, the group of penguin scientists that were there. I had been drinking heavily. I'd gotten into the uh, the sake. The... I really appreciated the penguin cosplay, though. Yeah. Now, just to be clear, we're not talking about the Batman villain penguin. Yeah. No, we are talking about people dressed as penguins. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Did you guys get your autographs from uh, Morgan Freeman? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and then Dragon Con, of course, which is still the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just a, there's, a, there's just a whole there's a whole track at Dragon Con, <laughs> yeah. primarily devoted to birds. There should be. Uh, they have a track for everything else. I mean, the Dragon Riders of Pern, I feel like they probably talk about oh, birds God. and shit. Oh, God. I, the Dragon Riders of Pern. I have some stories about Dragon Riders of Pern at Dragon Con. Oh, boy. For real. Yeah. That's, uh, we, we can get into that later. Of course, I mean, before, uh, before we get too far in, hello, Jando. Hi. Hello, Eric. Hey, buddy. I'm Chris Geiger, your intrepid host. Uh, in the avian world, uh, episode one, Bertalogcast. <laughs> so happy to be doing this. Uh, I can't believe it. First episode. Yeah, we, I, I really, I thought this was a dream. Like I never knew this would happen. Yeah, people. and we were missing Joe. Joe should have been. <laughs> you know, it's really this is kind of shitty, honestly, because Joe is the one who really pushed for this podcast. But we were just like, you know, yeah. he's not here. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, purely it's with the Nerdalogalagast or whatever, uh, Nerdalalalulu cast. Yeah. Uh, Nerdalalapalooza? cast, uh, which, uh, I forgot what number we were on in that episode count, so I just said, fuck it, yeah. let's, yeah. <laughs> let's start over. Yeah. Let's reset, let's reset it. So reset. We're gonna count down our top five birds today, I yeah. think. My list is still in flux though, it's really hard. Oh yeah? It's What's hard, it? it's like, what day is it? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, what day is it? The, here are my top five birds of the day. You know? uh, it's hard to know what day it is. Oh, that too. It's yeah. also hard to know what day it is. <laughs> what, what's your favorite bird, Jando? Uh, easily a hawk. Hawk, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Any kind hawk. of hawk. If it's got a hawk in it, it doesn't even need to be a mm. hawk. Yeah, hawks are real good. Yeah. Hawks are real good. Hawks are real good. They are... <laughs> what? Uh, um, just like a tone, like... 
That's fine. That's fine. We'll no, I mean, go. it's like, if you think about them, though, like, you watch the Hawks, like, soaring majestically in the sky, yeah. and you're just like, man, I want to be there. Yeah. Oh, this is like a patriotic thing. Okay. I thought you were trying yeah. to, like, fuck those Hawks. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to fuck those Hawks. But they're no. so far up in the sky. They're They're fast. They're, like, they're, they're incredibly fast. Yeah. Deadly predators. But this is the frustrating thing about Hawks. Yeah. They fucking want it. That's, <laughs> To want your dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's a predator, you know. It's got eyes. It's got front facing eyes. So it doesn't have eyes on the side of its head. Yeah. Um. It and it wants your dick. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> is, about that, is that why a hawk is your favorite? Because it wants it the most. Because it knows it wants it. Yeah. It knows it. Okay. Yeah. My favorite bird is the blue footed uh, booby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a. It doesn't fly, n- not flightless. Runs really fast, usually on beaches or something like that. Mm. And that's just kind of how I want to live my life, you know, uh, being labeled after a genital and running really fast <laughs> on beaches. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can see that. You should move to Australia. Yeah, right. Is that the, is that where they're at? I think so. Are they akin to the kiwi? Probably. They Maybe. look the same. Maybe. Except they're blue footed. I wonder what evolution. This is fascinating, riveting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is literally fascinating because yeah. this is the Bertalogcast. Yeah, the Bertalogcast. Uh, I hope fans of the Nerdalog, whatever, aren't like freaking out right now. But like, this is the future. Yeah, like nerd comedy is whatever. Right? Yeah, like, nerd bird, bird comedy yeah. though. <laughs> bird, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just expanding out, you know. Right. I think the next uh, uh, iteration will probably be something like the Jerkalog cast, where we just mm-hmm. talk about our favorite jerks. Mm-hmm. And you mean like, like like Jamaican jerk chicken? Or yeah, like, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think we want to. I don't think we want to limit whatever. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. What kind of jerks you like? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> the, yeah their like emotions that. or their foods. Also, or their... Robert Downey Jr. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, but you like him. Yeah. You know why? Because he wants the dick. Like he knows he wants it. <laughs> he got front facing eyes. That that movie. He wants the dick. <laughs> that movie uh, with uh, uh, Steve Martin, the jerk. Yeah. Also, very popular movie. One of my top five jerks, I say. <laughs> top yeah. five? Yeah. What What are your top five birds? Oh man, top five birds. I know they're in flux. I but... mean, number one is definitely like a mallard. They're just like majestic and beautiful, and like kind of to counter Jando here a little. Like the mallard also wants a dick, but it like doesn't know it. And I like that element of pursuit. You know, yeah. I like convincing it. I yeah. think it's really fun. It like gives me something to work on. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Right? I can see that. Yeah, I guess I just I I just am attracted to power. You know sure. What I mean? yeah. So like I like you know, like a hawk. I'd, I'd have sex with a hawk. I mean, <laughs> I'd have sex with like, hawks. Yeah, I, I, like anyone in power, like uh, Glenn Close. I would have sex with Glenn Close. Like, Chris uh, Geiger. Chris Geiger. I yeah. hold the power here. Yeah, exactly. So I just attracted to power more than anything else. Sure. Power and birds. Yeah. Well, powerful birds. Yeah. And I don't mean birds like. Blokes and birds, like that kind of birds, like not no. women. No, not human. With the exception of Glenn Close. <laughs> Only Glenn Close. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of birds. Yeah. Did you see her in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, did. you did see the Guardians of yeah. the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. God, no. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, not, that's not a spoiler. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a thing that we've known. Yeah. Did you know why she took that role? No. Uh, it's because she said uh, uh, 
she's like, I don't really care about it, but the amount of money that they'll pay me to do this one role will be enough for me to do any other art pre- project for like the rest of my life. Wow. Which is pretty, pretty solid. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're like, cool. Thanks for selling out, Glenn Close. Well, I mean, <laughs> and she's barely in it. Yeah, I know. Like, so I can't blame her yeah. for that. I don't really know why she's in it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it really could have gotten anyone right. in there. I mean, maybe, maybe, well, no spoilers, but like, who knows what the future movies will hold. That's know? true. I don't know what contract she signed. Maybe she has to be in like 60 of them. Maybe they're going to make a Nova movie. There's, yeah. I saw somewhere like the, the plans for like the movies, mm-hmm. and there's like, there's like, at least eight movies on the like in the yeah. pipe. It's two a year through twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. I think crazy. no, even further out. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy to me. And I, I like I, I went from like I love comic book movies to uh to now I love them again because it's like I get what they're doing. Like this is almost more in the spirit of a comic book than yeah. ever before. It is. It's uh, the exact spirit of a comic yeah, exactly. Book. Yeah. So now I'm into it again. Now that I see what they're trying to do, I, I'm into it again. Yeah. Because, I mean, Marvel's really great for that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, they picked a great horse to back, you know, in that uh, in that fight. I mean, I, you, you know, it's just those subtle nods always, you know, that are going to get you. I yeah. mean, they, they made a really good movie, and then they do stuff like at the collectors. This isn't a spoiler. It's just, like, stuff that's in his collection. These are just, like, details that are there. Like, there's a dark elf from the um, Thor 2, you yeah. know, for example, like, in one of the cages. That's cool. And, and they don't bring it up or anything. There's just, just one just there. there. And it's, like, in the it. same costume and everything from that movie. And you're just, like, you're, like, that's really cool, you know? Yeah. So. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., too, is, like, a, it really exemplifies that comic book feel, I think. Because, like, if you saw Cap 3 the weekend it came out, or, I'm sorry, Cap 2, and then you watched S.H.I.E.L.D. that week, it, like, directly responded to yeah. what happened in the movie, exactly. which is really interesting. It, it gives that feel of, like, this giant serialized universe where, like, every Marvel movie is just another installment in this ongoing story, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Someone was complaining about how, like, uh, comic book movies don't have endings anymore, which I'm like, I mean, whatever. Like, that's not true, necessarily. And it, I think it just keeps people interested in the ongoing story. And if that's not your cup of tea, whatever, but that's, like, what the source material is. Right. I think... And they work as they work as movies by themselves. Yeah. Like, the Guardians of the Galaxy as a movie is really... Is a really fun movie. And yeah. you could just... Like, like I said, I uh, said to you guys earlier, like, I brought a very non-nerd... Uh, to that movie who knew nothing about it. Uh, you're a bird of your own. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she really enjoyed it. She really thought it was really fun, you know, like, because uh, it, it is a really just enjoyable, fun ride. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, like, as on its own, I think you can judge the movie in two ways. You can judge it like, like how you would judge a movie that you didn't think was intended to be a group of movies. And in that case, it's like, it's not the perfect movie. I think like the Rotten Tomatoes score or something is like 70, which is accurate for if it was a standalone movie that was never going to be part of any kind of like larger picture. But as a piece of a, like a much bigger thing, it's a great, it's like near perfect. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, just to give it a, like a Rotten Tomatoes, like it's like a 90 in that case. Like it's like really, really good. Um, but my one complaint, I think, about this entire thing, and this has been my complaint for a while, is, like, now it's hard for me to see, like, you brought up, like, Captain America. Where were the other Avengers in that in that yeah. storyline? And yeah. where are they? I can understand why they wouldn't be in, like, some of these, like, Guardians of the Galaxy or things that yeah. are off-Earth. But on Earth, where are the Captain America, Iron Man, and Hulk mm-hmm. at the very least? Well, it, I mean, they've, they've tried to go out and say that a lot of this is happening simultaneously. You know, like... Uh, I know that uh, a good example would be, like, uh, the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, 
the events of Iron Man 2 are happening like roughly simultaneously with the events of the Hulk and they show it by very subtly so if you watch both those movies you would kind of maybe pick up on this if you saw them like back to back there's like a, a, a news report in the Hulk about the Hulk like going crazy on stuff you know mm-hmm. uh and then in Iron Man 2, like, part of the way through the movie, there he's, like, working on something, and he has the television up, and it's the same news report, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, like, so you can see, like, there's some things that are overlapping. Yeah. Um, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually kind of puts a lot of that stuff into perspective, like, linearly, yeah. you know? Like, because definitely Dark World takes place before Captain America 2, right? Yeah. Uh, and the I think the conceit there is that Captain America really wouldn't be helpful to Thor's problems, you know, sure. during that, right? Like, yeah. Thor's... Especially, and by the time, like, it definitely comes to Earth, like, the the big ship comes to, like, London and is, like, crashing in. What's Captain, what's Captain America going to do? Like, right. you know, what's, guess, I, what's Hulk or Iron Man going to... Like, how can they get there in time? Like, he has to stop that thing right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and obviously, if those things are happening simultaneously, like, Iron Man's roughly given up being Iron Man at the end of Iron Man 3. Sure. You know. Uh, and Captain America is more or less, you know. I mean, you would think that S.H.I.E.L.D. would be more involved, but S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. obvi- like, if S.H.I.E.L.D. can't respond quickly enough to, to like, Thor's problems, then neither is Captain America. Yeah, I think, for me, the biggest, the my like, the, the best example of one that, that, that doesn't apply to is Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Where is Captain America throughout that entire... If this guy's a threat to America, where yeah. is Captain America... I think I think part of that is like the relationship between Captain America and Iron Man hasn't really been established that strongly, you sure. know. And it I don't th- and Iron Man's very much a or Tony Stark at least in the movies is so like uh, machismo like he can handle his own problems. He doesn't like asking for help. I mean, and it goes throughout that entire movie where he's like the only time he breaks finally breaks down and asks for help is with that little kid, right? Yeah. So like, how is he going to reach out to? Why is he, why would he ever reach out to? Bruce well, Banner think, or anyone to help him. I think it would have gone a long way if they did what you said they did for other movies. It's just like, kind of like, when they're briefing, whoever they're briefing, be like, well, this is what Captain America's found. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be in the movie, but be like, clearly he would still be on, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now, the, the terrorist, uh, guy's name, but he would be, he would be like, all into trying to catch him. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, why can't I think of his name? You guys know who I'm talking about? Uh, in, in Cap 2? No, no, in Iron Man 3. Oh, okay. What's that dude's name? Killian? Alter yeah. Killian? Yeah, well, the guy that was, I don't want, like, no spoilers, but, like, the the British dude, bald, the... You know, I still haven't seen Iron Man 3, to be honest. Oh, you have Really? Kingsley? Ben Kingsley. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ben oh, character. the Mandarin. Mandarin, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wouldn't Captain America be all over the Mandarin? You would think so, yeah. Right. That is, that is a fair point. I, Especially because he's threatening the president, that right? That took, like, yeah. 20 minutes to figure out that guy's name. And from wow. the guy who didn't see it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think that it's just part of the suspension and disbelief of comics, too, is, like, sometimes these things happen that you think, oh... It's, like, especially probably in DC, like, Superman could kind of do everything, but you don't have a story if he does, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, at some point you just have to assume, well, Tony's busy when the president gets kidnapped in Cap 2 or whatever. Well, do you think, do you think, um, uh... Did the president get cap- kidnapped in Cap 2? As well? Didn't he? He got kidnapped in Iron Man 3. Yeah. 
it was President Ellis. Oh, I must yeah. have that backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, does, doesn't Shield like pop up? Doesn't Nick Fury pop up in Iron Man three to be like, we we're busy, we got shit to do, you know, Maybe. something like that. I mean, he's in like all the movies. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like he pops up at some point in that, going like, we're fucking like swamped, you know, like there's yeah. Chitari artifacts all over the goddamn place after Iron Man or after the events of the Avengers, like they're in cleanup mode. Yeah, that's right. Because Iron Man three happens is basically like right, yeah. ostensibly a, a brief sequel to Avengers, right? Yeah. It's like a exactly like what happened afterwards i do like how they did that too yeah you know so like kids are like coming up to him and like freaking him out because they're like what did what ha- what was it like to be in space yeah. <laughs> like and having nightmares and stuff like that you know <laughs> yeah uh i mean because i think they just basically wanted to keep iron man like quiet you know yeah about a lot of those events and I think you're right that S.H.I.E.L.D. is the glue that holds it all together. Not just the S.H.I.E.L.D. show, but, like, the characters of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Like, they yeah. tie the universe together, for sure. Right. They just use that, really, to to explain anything. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Give uh, a sense of content. Have you seen the show? Yeah, Are I watched it for a little bit. Um, it, it started really slow. I heard it got a lot better. It but did. Like, it I, definitely did. Yeah. They, they, I watched all of it. It definitely, the show was, like, set up in such a way that it was, like, this real show didn't begin until Captain America came out. Yeah, that's you know? And, like, it really got good after Captain America came out, but you have to, like, kind of sit through a couple episodes of Monsters of the Week. Everything that happens in the early episodes comes back, like, is used in some way in the, the last episodes. But, like, as indiv- so that's, like, they're nice to watch to kind of know, but at the same time, they're they're not, like, totally compelling stories on their own. Mm-hmm. They all kind of feel like... uh because it's television, they all kind of feel like D-list, you know, monsters of the week, yeah. rather than like the shit that's happening in all the other movies. You know, yeah. you're kind of you kind of feel like a kid just kind of like waiting for like Captain America to show up, like just a glimpse of him or something yeah. like that. You know, <laughs> of like some big budget thing. Yeah, especially in the turn in, in Agents of Shield when Hydra takes over and they show like footage from Captain America two. You know, to kind of like supplant it, and you're like, man. That movie was cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. I, I didn't. I didn't watch to that point. But don't you find that some of the people you've known throughout the season are actually Hydra agents? Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, so. there's 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 huge double crossers. They make one of the most boring uh, characters in the show actually pretty interesting, and give kind of a reason why they're like very matter of fact. Like this is why he was so boring, you know. And then he becomes very interesting, and then they do a really good job of not fucking it up. They cool. don't screw that pooch. Like, they they could very easily, like, redeem him really quickly, you know, and be like, well, he was a good guy the whole show. You want him to be good. But no, they just make him bad, and he just goes even worse. And, like, and he's, like, a central character to the entire series, you know? Oh, man. So, like, uh, to, to, for them to, to do that. And also for the actor to actually, he actually knew that he was going to go bad, uh, probably. Way he actually knew when the other actors in the show did. No way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so awesome. a lot of the actors didn't even know that it was gonna become Agents of Hydra until like sort of thing until you know they were already filming the show a majority of it. Wow. Colson, the guy, the actor who played Colson, uh, he actually knew about everything from the beginning. He was the only actor who did though. That's really cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such oh, a... Yeah. They kind of, like, supplant the information in all the actors, so the actors are kind of, like, aware of all that stuff, too. That's awesome. Which I, almost, I think is cool. Like, I almost wonder if that show was just dictated by the reality of, like, okay, Cap comes out in May, 
So we have, you know, eight or nine months to tread water and set up the characters and for a month of crazy cool shit. That's exactly, that's exactly how it is. And so, like, I'm really excited about the second season. I think the second season is going to be really, really, really awesome. I think it'll be interesting to watch, like, after all is said and done. Like, you know, uh, when, when did you say through 2018? 2019, I 2019. Think. So, yeah. like, 2020. Like, basically, like, a couple years yeah. or a year after. I'd love to see, like, the people who, like, sit there and analyze the entire timeline and, like, kind of do, like, a, um, uh, just an order for this. Yeah, like, what, what's, like, the best way to watch it? Like, yeah. a linear way or, uh, uh, like, the, what's the version of the Star Wars? Oh, the hatchet order? Yeah. yeah. Like, if they did, like, yeah, exactly. Like, something cool like that. Just be like, this is why everything happens. And pick, like, all the little Easter eggs out and, like, just see how everything connects. Because I, I even think that those first few episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. probably have, like, were intended not just to f- take up some time, but they probably have more to do with, with it than we even realized yeah. so far. Yeah, and I think so, too. They, they certainly introduce artifacts and ideas uh, that actually are supplanted in the movies uh, pretty well. Like, they, they introduce an idea in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, uh, that doesn't have any payoff until Guardians of the Galaxy just came out. No way. Uh, yeah, and it, it actually was pretty cool. Uh, I am hesitant to spoil it, because it's not actually a spoiler for Guardians of the Galaxy, it's more of a spoiler for, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Eh, it's not that much of a spoiler. Uh, if you're really concerned about it, then stop listening for, like, two seconds, just fast forward it. But they introduced the Kree. Uh, in in Agents of Shield, cool. yeah, uh, they actually introduce a body of a Kree, yeah. and uh, and it becomes a huge plot point for the for a majority of the arc of the show for various reasons. But the fact that they show a Kree before they even have Guardians of the Galaxy, which features heavily Kree, you know, because that's yeah. like one of the main Marvel you know aliens, is really cool. Yeah. You're like, and they don't call it a Kree because they don't know what it, they're called. They're just like, we have this big blue alien. You know? That's really cool. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, so we know alien, we've known aliens have existed even before the Chitari showed up. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's, it's pretty, pretty messed up. Uh, some of the things that they do with that, that knowledge, that MacGuffin. There's such a, like a great sense of direction to the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe where they clearly have this awesome plan. And it's really impressive that they're pulling it off with, Seemingly no hitches. Like, what's everyone's like least favorite movie? Like Iron Man two or three? I think and Iron Man two aren't yeah. even awful. Yeah, you know. I think Iron Man three is really good. Actually, I like Iron Man three. I feel like three is divisive. Yeah, I, I don't have an opinion, but yeah, my least favorite is probably. God, I don't. E- I don't even know if I could name one that I just didn't like. I kind of like them all. Mm-hmm. At least I think they're all at least very watchable, if not great. I think Iron Man two is the most uneven of all of them. Mm. Um, only because it's like situated in such a place where it has to carry information that it doesn't that's like it sucks that it has to carry it you know it feels like it's the most unnecessary movie Mm. i feel like every movie drives something forward either the introduction of a character or the or driving forward the universe Mm -hmm. in some way whereas iron man 2 introduces a bunch of ideas and stuff that they don't ever like expand upon you know at least with like and, the, and I also feel that way kind of about Incredible Hulk, mainly because it's the second one out of the gate. Sure. They introduced a whole lot of cool stuff that they never... I don't think they'll... I mean, they've talked about doing another another Hulk movie, but, like, the fact that there's Abomination out there. They've introduced the leader in that movie. They, they introduced, like, Doc Sampson. They introduced, like, Rick Jones. They introduced the idea of, like, the Gamma Super Soldiers. Like, all of this stuff that never materializes anywhere else or Thunderbolt Ross you know yeah. the fact that he exists you know 
uh, and his relationship with like Shield and you know uh, even Tony Stark because Tony Stark made weapons for Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's a lot of interesting concepts that they just kind of like meh. That's true. Throw away. Yeah, I guess they see that in Iron Man too, because that whole middle segment feels like an info dump, where it's yeah. like, oh, here's the secret history of of everything leading into Avengers, but it's a very clunky way to establish right. it. Yeah, it's like it's it's sort of unnecessary. It just kind of it feels at the expense of the movie. Also, like the two villain thing felt kind of forced in that, didn't it? Like, because yeah. it was Whiplash and Obadiah Stane, but it was well, like, it wasn't Stane. It was a uh, um, Hammer. Oh, the Hammer copy, Justin yeah. Hammer. Yeah. Right, right. It was yeah. like, yeah, like, I don't know if we needed two stories, two Which, different Which, Hammer's always been kind of a dick in the comics. Yeah. Um, and is probably his main rival, especially in that in that most recent run of Iron Man before he went to space. It was all like him versus the Hammers, and they're real pieces of, pieces of work. <laughs> I think, uh, I think the Iron Man 2 movies, or Iron Man 2 and 3, um, are better than and because it's because of Robert Downey Jr. I could watch him do anything all day. Fair. Mm-hmm. I thought the weakest of all of them was Thor one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Thor two was amazing. Thor mm-hmm. two might might be in my top two or three mm-hmm. best of all all the singular um, uh, Avengers, but. Thor 1, to me, I thought was the weakest. Yeah. Unpopularly, I really love Thor 1. I love Thor 1 as well. The, the thing sure. I like about it is what bothers most people, which is the vast difference in tone between exactly. Asgard and Earth. So I think exactly. that's really cool. Yeah. It just feels fantastical. It just feels... It opens up the universe to ideas, to accepting ideas outside of the realism that they've set forth, you know, yeah. in a way that is really wonderful. Yeah. You know? Like, Asgard is a little corny and weird, but that I like that. That's kind of the point, because yeah. Thor is kind of corny and weird, you know? Yeah. like the, and, and you want to add Thor to the universe, then you got to explain his home. you got to explain what his universe is, and it is this fantastical, super techno- technologically advanced world, and it's got to seem, like, grounded to him. Yeah. So when he leaves it and stuff like that, it's important. And, like, I'll never probably say these words, but Kat Dennings fucking killed it yeah. to me in that movie because she is, like, this perfect, like, <laughs> oh, like, I'm a regular person doing crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, she ma- she totally sells this, like, very kind of mundane earth feel <laughs> yeah. that Thor is a great contrast. She's the, she's the voice of the cynic in you. Yeah, you know, going, exactly. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think I think for all those things that you... I think Thor 2 does all those things better. Mm. That was my complaint about Thor 1. It's almost like I feel like I didn't see enough of Thor's homeworld. Yeah. And, like, it was very... Uh, it was very confined. Like, the scenes in in Thor 1 about uh, Asgard were very limited and confined and short. Mm-hmm. Whereas Thor 2 expands on that. And that's where mm. I wish Thor 1 sure. had did yeah. and was. Yeah, Thor 2 had the greatness of spending all almost all of its time in the Asgard... Area, right. you know, and like I it was just like what... it was just like this is happening outside of yeah. you know our realm of knowledge, you know. But they kind of with Thor one though they kind of had to bring it back down to earth, you know. They kind of had to explain why Thor would join the Avengers, yeah. you know. If they made it all a story about uh, just Asgard, because I mean I think what they do in making Thor a compelling character in Thor one is fascinating, like how they chart this progression of a guy who's absolutely cocksure, sure of himself, like, wants to travel into, you know, the Frost Giants land and just kill face, just smash face because of an insult, just because of a slight, you yeah. know? Um, to chart that to someone who would be humbly subservient enough to join a Midgardian, you know, super team. Yeah. You know, you have to make a pretty traumatic, like, pretty, you know, dramatic jump mm-hmm. in tone, which I think they do deftly, 
and they humble him so well over the course of that movie and like depowering him and making and like I still think this the scene of him busting into the shield facility and yeah. picking up the hammer and it doesn't move and he just tries and he's trying and it's raining and he's muddy and everything and then he just falls and then all the guards come around him you know and like Hawkeye's there and everything yeah. it's just like you he's falling it's so pretty far. great yeah and that first time he gets the hammer back and his armor like pulls on top of him and you're like Thor's Thor's back yeah. you're like yeah this is this is fantastic um I think it's great yeah yeah I like to as well. I didn't think it was as funny and that kind of bummed me out. Not that you go to those movies for a comedy, mm-hmm. but I love Tom Hiddleston in both those movies. Yeah. I think he's one of the That's highest great. points of the whole MCU. Yeah. He's my favorite yeah. character, I think. Yeah. I read the Loki comic simply yeah. because yeah. I love him in the movies. Yeah, and that scene with him and two where he's like manifested his uh, cell to look like really pristine and proper when yeah. Thor's talking to him. Yes. And then when Thor leaves, it all fades away and he's like in rags and all of yeah. his stuff's been thrown around and everything and you can see how angry and upset he is. Yes. That's so great. That is so great. What a great use of his powers. Like, I, I feel like, cause, you know, I'm more of a DC guy. I, I like DC's heroes a little better, but I think Marvel, because they're more like realistic, they can totally nail the villains. Yeah. And I feel that way about Magneto and about Loki. Because, like, Loki is so sympathetic in a lot of ways. Like, you understand what he wants, even yeah. though he's, like, an asshole. I think you can root for him in a way. Yeah. And that makes Tom Hiddleston really, like, compelling in those films. I think one thing you mentioned earlier, kind of just off topic, but the I was reading an article about um, why, like, the article's like, why do you go see comic movies? And it's, the author basically determines it's not the action, it's the comedy. <clears throat> like, that's what it, people are going to see now, because they're fun. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was... The author's biggest complaint about the uh, Batman reboot is it didn't have right. any of that, yeah, sure. at all, and so it was just they not started going fun. dark, right? And it's like uh, the, I'm clear this guy was not a fan of like the gritty reboot or whatever yeah, Christopher yeah. Nolan's thing, but um, he was like, "That's what makes it now. That's what separates." If you and I think Guardians of the Galaxy has this, yeah, um, and which is why it's so great. It's, it's a really funny. It's got all the action, yeah, and it, the action is just like any action you expect in any movie, yeah. But it's got the comedy that you don't see in most of those. movies. It's colorful, yeah. and and it's. I mean, the fact that you have that mixtape that he plays the entire time, yeah. it like That's it. It's so it's fantastic, and it's a great choice by James Gunn. I know he was the one that added that to the to his script. Like that was his point, you know, yeah. to make. And what a great choice because what what it does is you have these moments of fantastical like space scenes like where you're flying through space and you're seeing something mind-blowing you know visual and it's you know it's like grounded by like this 60s pop song and like that's like pulling you in you know it's like that's your like access point you know so even if you so you're looking at something that's completely ridiculous and you have like no idea how to process like even like how it is supposed to work and you're just kind of like your soul is tethered back to earth because you're hearing like you know the Jackson Five play or yeah. something like yeah. that. You know as they cruise through the galaxy and it, like what a great solid choice rather than turning because they have no character that is firmly rooted in our world because even Peter Quill is taken at like a young age in like 1988 yeah. you know or something like that. So he's like he can't even speak for us because he's grown up in that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 
The yeah, I I mean I'm going to see the movie after we record, so I can't really comment. But just from what I've seen of like the clips and the soundtrack, it seems so brilliant. Like yeah, and Marvel movies they've gotten better about this, but they used to have horrible soundtracks. Yeah, it was yeah. like oh, who's the hot new metal band? You know, right. let's put them front and center. I love the feel that this '70s soundtrack is giving. It seems so. Just like this, like you said, like yeah. rounding. Yeah. Like you get it. You're connected to it. Well, I think that's something I actually, that I thought about this a lot after seeing the movie last night was, uh, uh, about like using good, good, uh, um, uh, copyrighted songs, copyrighted material to kind of like fixate your worldview. And I think it's a trend that got precedent, it's a precedent that got set right at the gate with Iron Man 1 when he's driving through the desert and uh, ACDC's playing. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, and it's, it's Tony Stark mugging with a bunch of soldiers in a Humvee, you know? And like, that sets the tone so well, you know? It's like, this is just the, you know, like we've, we're going to use modern stuff to kind of like bring you up to speed. We're going to bring you with us, you know, like, you don't. Ha- you like ACDC. You you can understand that this guy's a rich butthole in yeah. like an, in a Humvee with a bunch of soldiers that think he's super famous. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like and like that's all you need to know. You you don't need to know what Iron Man was. You don't need to know anything about it. Yeah. And to an, to an extent, uh, that's sort of like how how they did Iron Man one, and to a lesser extent of what they did two is kind of why I was on the fence about three. In that the Iron Man three is the the. The third in a trilogy of movies, ostensibly, but it doesn't feel like the third of a trilogy. It doesn't feel like it's continuing the story of Iron Man. It feels like it's continuing the story of Avengers, which is something that I had a complaint about when I watched it. Because, like, even though there's nods to what happened in the previous movies, like Mandarin, uh, he meets you, you, uh, whatever the guy from the cave, you know, Mm. they they flash back to when they first met before uh, everything. Like, there's still, like, it's more of a continuation of the Avengers storyline than yeah. it is. And I think that's kind of the problem with that Iron Man's always had has been by being a part of the Avengers more so than he has had to run his own stuff. Yeah, for you know. sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a quick break. I think they're doing some sound tests in the same place we're doing. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's will clear up during a break. Uh, and when we get back, we'll talk more about stuff. Uh, more Bertalog cast, more Jando. Really we got off the Bertalog. We'll come back. More Eric, more Chris. Uh, we'll be right back after this. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight. You let me know. Everything's alright. I'm a feeling. I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. Lips as sweet as candy. Its taste is on my mind. And we are back. Welcome back. More Bertalog cast. We're in a different space. Maybe the audio is different. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Chris, Jando, Eric, uh, we are all back. Um, we're going to keep talking about comic book movies. Yeah. I yeah. think I think that's appropriate. Uh, no character. 
Well, I mean, no other guests. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all characters. Yeah. It's like TBS in here. I yeah. think, I'm, God, I think I stole that joke straight away from Scott Ackerman. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, She's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we are So we're going to keep talking about this stuff. Um, I wanted to bring it back to Marvel real quick. We, there's a lot of cool stuff that happened out of San Diego Comic-Con, a lot of cool announcements. Not a, not a, not a, uh, not as much as we thought there would be, I thought, yeah. you know. I thought there would be more Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some DC announcements and some pictures that got posted and stuff like that. But, you know, it's not, like, crazy treasure trove of information. I think the biggest news is, like, stuff like Constantine and stuff like that. that yeah, like came TV out. shows. Yeah, TV yeah. shows got a lot of buzz, but not a lot of uh, of the new movies. I thought we'd see something maybe on Doctor Strange or something, but... Were, yeah. were there not rumors, though, about... The, a, a cast for Doctor Strange? Who was th- supposed to play him? I think so. Um, gosh, I, for, I, I forget. I've always wanted it to be John Hamm, but I think they they picked they they've been in talks with somebody about it. Yeah, I forget, I forget who. That might be a TV thing though. That might be part of the Netflix show. Well, they're making a Doctor Strange movie. Oh, okay. No, yeah, then. yeah. I mean, they've alluded to it. They've talked about it. You know, there's been nods in a couple movies now to Doctor Strange. In the original Thor, there was the Eye of Agamotto yeah. in the Treasure Trove. They alluded to it in, uh, in Captain America. Two, right? Yeah. He's on the screen. Yeah. Like, he's part he, of their detection and, system. And someone even mentions him. Mentioned him by name. Yeah. The, the Jasper Sitwell mentions him. If we're going to talk about casting that I'm really excited about, not a comic book, but Game of Thrones uh, announced its casting for uh, uh, Red, the Red Viper's brother is going to be played by... Uh, the actor who played um, Dr. Bashir in DS9. Oh, yeah. He's uh, great. Which I'm really excited about. Yeah, because I'm a big fan of that guy. Uh, sorry. Just went to Oh, you mean Guy's Baltar? I couldn't tell them apart for so long. I know that They're not the same person. <laughs> they, like, they sound exactly the same. <laughs> they do. They, 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 they both play doctors, and yeah. they're both nervous, and they kind of... I can see it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they're Jeno, different I'm people. Not, Jeno, lay off, dude. I'm not, I'm not racist, okay? <laughs> why, are you, why are you looking at me like that? Jeno... <laughs> Was it because it's Bashir and Baltar? I mean, that yeah. doesn't help either. Yeah, yeah there's a lot. There's a lot it's like, it. what's even the difference between Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> yeah. That's, well, DS9 especially. Yeah. I mean, DS9 yeah. is it's same written the same writer. Yeah, yeah, same writers, producers, yeah. Ron Moore. Ron Moore. Uh, did, Rick uh, Berman, I think. Did Rick Berman work on um, Gal- Galactica? Maybe not. He might be the Star Trek guy. Yeah, I know he's on Star Trek. Yeah. But Ron Moore, certainly. Yeah. yeah. An easy way to troll me is just to be like, there's no difference between Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, and Firefly. <laughs> I hear that all the time. Do like, you? Which one's better? Or like, ah, they're all the same thing. Or, and I'm just like, <laughs> pass out. <laughs> I think there's more comparison between DS9 and uh, and Firefly than there is with Battlestar Galactica. Uh, in terms of, and just in terms of like, you know, circumstances and stuff, like frontier space, that sort of thing, yeah. you know. Storytelling-wise, though, Galactica, like, you can see where DS9 taught Ron Morrison lessons. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Except, obviously, Galactico, you know, was made to be more, I don't, I don't know if artistic is the right word, but maybe you take my meaning, like, because DS9 is a syndicated show, and it right. was very episodic, and right. Galactico was clearly like, here's a fucking epic yeah. that we're doing. We're gonna we're going to do a limited... Limited run yeah. versus like see how long we can go. Right. <laughs> Not that DS9 didn't have direction, but even in the except for the very end, like even the the middle seasons, like definitely had filler episodes. I think I think that's just kind of a symptom of Star Trek writing that eventually got uh, like it showed its age very much in Enterprise, you know, and mm-hmm. Voyager. But like the old way of doing it, at least for Next Generation and uh, 
uh, DS9 was just, you know, write episodes, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. come up with the characters, have some minor arcs that can be resolved in maybe a two-parter, yeah. maybe a three-parter, and then have things that could be called back to. And eventually... When your series runs out, call back to something from the very first episode, yeah. and it'll all feel connected. You know? I, I have to say, though, because I'm watching DS9 for the first time now, like, in its entirety, and I saw the best Star Trek episode. Which one? Uh, and I Googled it afterwards, and I guess it's widely considered, if not the best, top two uh, DS9 episodes, and it's The Visitor. The Visitor is very good. It's amazing. That's Jake Sisko as the writer? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm. It's amazing, and it hit me right in the feels. Did it? I Googled immediately. I'm like, people have to be like saying this is an amazing episode. Mm. It might be the best Star Trek episode. Definitely the best DS9 episode I've seen so far. Um, and I'm about there. Like, I've only watched a few episodes after that episode. So it's season four? Uh, yeah. Like, right after Warp joins, four. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and definitely my top five best Star Trek episodes of all time with... I've always seen so far Next Gen, Voyager, and now DS9. I will say my favorite is uh, called Far Beyond the Stars. I think it's in the sixth season, and it sets DS9 as like a pulp fiction that, like, Cisco has this hallucination that he's a writer in the 50s trying to publish this story about Deep Space Nine. And, like, everyone on the cast and crew is there in this, like, uh, 50s world. And it's, it's just this really cool take on, like, it's like very metafictional. I don't know. I really like it. Like the the whole crux of the plot is like no one will publish his story because the captain is black, and so he like <laughs> tries to get around it in different ways, and eventually it just all breaks down. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I think those those sort of bottle stories are my favorite. So I think those are the yeah. ones where you you get some sort of like uh, writer who's just like I really want to tell this story because I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have any ramifications for the entire storyline. Right. And even in cases where they should, right? Yeah, like, true. Uh, especially in Next Generation, when like Picard, for example, has that one gets trapped on that planet for like uh, eighty years or oh, something yeah, like yeah. that, and like gets married, has kids, and everything, and then uh, and then gets picked up by the Enterprise again, and he's like, you, he just had like his whole life. He just okay. went through his whole life. Uh, even Justice League Unlimited did that too, uh, which was kind of uh, crazy with a, a Superman. Oh, had, for the man who has everything. The man who has everything. Yeah, based on that, that yeah, story. yeah, where he had like this space parasite on him, and he lived his entire life on Krypton, where it didn't blow up. He was married, had kids, and uh, you know, Batman's trying to pull him out, and like his world's falling apart, literally, quite literally, in his hallucination. And then he has the realization that he's not supposed to be there, and he like grabs his son, and he's like, "I love you so much, but you don't exist." Yeah, and like. What? <laughs> like, yeah. like, how do you, how do you, how do you come back from that? Like, as a character, how do you come back from that? That's a lot of. That's basically how the visitor ends for uh, Captain Cisco, and it's one of the things where, like, I watch the next episodes, and they never mention it again. But like, I know that, and yeah. I know he knows that. So for yeah. me, everything he does from like, he's such a more sympathetic character to me because we we went through that together. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, well, and you wonder. But it's, it's always just like, and you know. Especially for like a show like Justice League Unlimited, where it's like it's a it's a cartoon, you know. Yeah. You don't want to dwell on uh, Superman's lost fake family too much <laughs> right. in future episodes. But you're like, man, you like watch other episodes. You're like, man, this guy, 
He he went through something incredibly traumatic. You understand his pathos a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah he went yeah. through something incredibly traumatic. Why isn't anyone talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? that, that happens all the time in DS9 with O'Brien. Like, there's at least yeah. one episode of season where they torture yeah. O'Brien. My favorite example, I think it's in the second season. Like, he keeps jumping, like, 15 seconds into the future or something. Yeah, yeah. And, like, he sees these terrible things, and then he can, like, kind of try to prevent them. Yeah. And, like, the episode ends where... The station, like, blows up, and he manages to save it, but, like, the O'Brien that saves it is not our O'Brien. It's, like, the future one who's come back. So our O'Brien has died, and no one says anything about it. It's like, here's this alternate universe O'Brien who's taken his place. (laughs) It's so fucked up. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, it gets weird. The time travel stuff definitely, and anything, it gets weird, but have you guys seen Miles O'Brien at work? Oh, that's yes. a great, great <laughs> yes. comic, Sorry. yeah. I, I can't stand Miles O'Brien only because I've seen that comic now, and I'm like, I hate you. You're so boring. You know, he's not. Like, DS9 totally changes them. And they call it out. Yeah. In DS9, like, one of the others I'm watching right now, he's like, where's like, where's like, you know, I don't understand how you like this place. Everything's always breaking down. He's like, I like that everything's breaking down because I was so, I would just sit in the transporter room all day, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching yeah. stuff that was made after DS9, and it, to me, it's as if they were made in response response to that like it's like that comment was written because miles at work yeah. <laughs> it so you're seeing it in the future yeah, exactly. you're you're basically doing the 15 seconds in the future thing yeah. you're, you're also you universe jando oh, no. <laughs> what happened <laughs> to real jando don't worry about it <laughs> let's not cut the real jando that's a reference to a sketch that haven't been out yet. hasn't been out yet yeah this uh, anyway. is 15 minutes in the future so we're okay yeah uh, uh, so other things that came out of um, um, Comic Con, those uh, the Wonder Woman reveal. Yeah, the, the finally showed a picture of her. That's pretty cool. I'm yeah. excited about that. I like it. Yeah, uh, I. She, I wish she was wearing pants. God, I yeah. wish she was wearing pants. That's a whole yeah. comment, DC in general. Yeah, I made this comment at work, and someone thought it was very odd, but I like that she looks Grecian. Yeah, like she yeah. has this kind of tan to her skin that is really, I think, cool. Yeah. I agree. I also think that the actress's name is a superhero name, Gal Gadot. Yeah, oh, for sure. It alliterates and everything. When they cast her, initially when they announced that it was her, I was worried because, like, I've seen her in other stuff, I think, like, Fast and the Furious, basically. Yeah. And she was super skinny, and she wasn't, like, as, like, tanned or whatever. And, like, yeah, she looks like... Like, like she could be like a Grecian, like a yeah. Like it's perfectly cast, and she like bumped, like she beefed up for it. Yeah. My only complaint was the high heels. I wish she yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. It's it's such a that's such a huge problem with DC. Like, just like this lack of perspective on like sexualizing versus uh, making someone look like crazy strong or something yeah. like that. Like making them look amazing. Like their conceit. Like, the argument that they make is, like, well, all of our male heroes are, like, super buff and super jacked and everything like that. And the difference is is that they're not sexualizing the male heroes, you know? So they're not making Wonder Woman just look super buff and super strong. They're purposefully, like, sexualizing her, you know? There's no reason that her legs need to be bare. Yeah, there's no reason for her to specifically look sexy. You know, she... She can look like she's a warrior for Christ's right. sake. You Although know? the new Batman suit does have a bulge. True. Does it? Does it has, has it got a bat bulge? Does it really? Yeah. Has, has pictures of those been re- released? There's a couple of pictures from Comic Con. There's a few. Yeah. I saw the cowl. Um, they showed the one, the one of him standing there next to the Batmobile looking uh, down. Oh and yeah. There's like a yeah yeah. Yeah, everyone's. <laughs> it's interesting that we talk about that now, though, because like in the past few weeks, there's been all these announcements about like all oh, the new Batgirl costume, which is like the least sexualized. That's great. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's super great, and like the new Thor outfit is not perfect, but it's like all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it still has it still has a uh, unfortunate 
breast battle, uh, like literal breastplate, yeah. you know. Uh, but it's not giving her like it's not like revealing cleavage or anything. Right. It's still in the Thor style. And yeah, and like based on what we talked about Thor earlier, I could see that being something that Wonder Woman would wear. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's just something that that character could wear in that universe. It's right. Not like, yeah, yeah, I, and especially. I really like what they did with Thor. I mean, it's just it just shows the difference in like uh, I think, and and I've read a lot of DC recently, and I I try to give DC a fair shake as much as I can. You know, like I I picked up a lot of New Fifty Two trades and stuff like that. Read like uh, Action Comics, the the first trade of Action Comics. I think I the first two trades of Action Comics, like the first three trades of Batman, Justice League. Got a bunch of them for a, a vacation I went on. I was like, I'm going to read a bunch of DC comics, and. Uh, it's just kind of like a problem throughout all of it where they want to keep it so consistent in world, but it's not consistent at all. You know, yeah. like their the, uh, art style, they want to keep the art style consistent. There's like a strict like style, styling issue there, but the, but the information that's coming out of it, they're kind of just like, well, our continuity is kind of fucked. So it's whatever the writers decide. So there's no way you can really piece together like what's happening between things so how do they do that how they how do they try to have a strict ship as much as dc does versus like marvel where you have a bunch of different series all drawn completely differently all with different directions all with different characters and yet all of those stories still somehow connect in their own ways like i i don't understand how how they can get it so wrong by is it just a matter of like they're trying too hard to uh keep it yeah, I think you. That's like the number one problem with DC versus Marvel in the comics. I think uh, you're 100 percent right. DC is very draconian about their house style, and it's interesting that books that you cited are probably the least guilty of it yeah. because um, Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, Scott Snyder, and Grant Morrison, yeah. the creative teams, they pretty much have carte blanche. Yeah, like they can do whatever they want. So, uh, but the problem is like, well, the what, Batman series is fantastic. Yeah, the Batman Court of Owls and like Night of Owls, all of that, and even the Joker. Yeah, uh, so good. series. Those are all fantastic stories. I recommend them strongly. Scott yeah. Snyder's a fantastic writer. What a great guy. The problem is that, like, Johns and Lee, what they're making is basically the house style, and everyone's trying to copy them, yeah. and I don't like it. Um, I think Morrison's Action Comics is interesting because he's not conforming to house style, but I don't know that he told a very successful story either. I agree with that. Uh, and I think that that's also an issue because it's like Morrison, you want to let Morrison like go nuts. You ha- yeah, yeah, you have to, but it doesn't uh, always work. But you don't want to set Gor- Morrison's go nuts in the past before all of the stuff that's currently <laughs> yeah, happening happens. True, yeah. Because you know, like, then everyone that's doing stuff now has to conform to whatever go nuts that Grant Morrison did, you know? There's also a really bad <laughs> scheduling problem with that series where like the the first arc is broken up by a future story, which yeah. is super confusing. Yeah. Where it's like the like anti kryptonite gang or anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Marvel seems to have great success with taking like B and C listers and, and letting creative teams do whatever. Right. And I think it works because it just people like it more. Like yeah. Hawkeye, who the fuck would read a Hawkeye series? But then you give it to Matt Fraction and David Aha. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, you yeah. know, Black Widow. A fucking uh, there's a bunch of examples like right. that. Uncanny X Force is one of those things that I I really got into yeah. uh, because it was just so different, you know, both visually and in tone and everything, and like the deviations that they would allow themselves to go down, you know, that weren't totally in the spirit of the rest of it, like everything between Psylocke and Phantom X, and all of and that whole art style was just like so different. Or the uh, 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 Rick Remender run of uh, Captain America and uh, and 
the world of Zola. Yeah, you know, Armin super, Zola's super weird. Super, and that one actually, that's a good example of someone being put into a world that they have to age 60 years or something like that and uh, actually having repercussions into the world that they come back into. Yeah. Uh, there's a really great moment. Basically, uh, this isn't like super spoiler, but just to kind of give you an idea what the arc is, uh, in the mainstream Captain America run, uh, after they rebooted, uh, after Marvel Now and they had like issue one, like issue two, Captain America goes uh, on this train with uh, with Agent Carter, his girlfriend, you know, and like love of his life, and he gets separated from her and enters this world where Armin Zola, this alternate world where Armin Zola has completely built this entire like post-apocalyptic sort of world. He's like bioengineered all these creatures, and they capture, and all of the creatures are based on Captain America's blood. So they're all like these weird, like contorted versions of him, and. You think that he would go in there, beat up Zola, and get out. No, he gets captured and then gets beaten up and tortured, and he finally escapes, and then he escapes, and he can't find his way home. And he's stuck in this world for the next, like, 30 years of his life. Legitimately, the next 30 years of his life. But in the real world, it only passes by in, like, two minutes. Oh, wow. And so he has this really amazing note. When he finally gets out and everything, he finally gets out, he comes back literally, like, two minutes after he left, and he's got this huge beard. He's gone through all this stuff. And he says very pointedly, I've spent more time in there than I have in the modern world since he was unfrozen. Wow. You know? And, like, that's... That colors Captain America, and they allow that to affect him, you know? And it's really fascinating. I think it's great that Marvel just lets that kind of thing happen. Because um, I, I always feel like, in general, just in a creative process, like, if you let your talent do what they're supposed to do, you'll get better results. Yeah. And it feels more realistic to me, because, like, life is weird. Like, everyone has different takes on it, so why yeah. wouldn't you want your books to reflect those different, like, levels of existence? Well, and it shows, like, it shows to me why I like Marvel so much more than DC, as far as, like, from a creative standpoint that they allow that where they would say this is one of your main characters Captain America who has movies coming out right now and instead of saying like hey make a comic about him fighting you know Red Skull or anything like that make a comic about him being trapped in this world by a character that it's very minorly tertiarily talked about in the Captain America movies make him stuck there and make it change his character for the rest of the his time in the Marvel Universe and meanwhile, relegate Red Skull to the Uncanny Avengers, right. you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and make him put Xavier's brain in himself and become yeah. crazy. It's, it's really great. Yeah, uh, I Marvel's for sure doing the better work right now because of stuff like that. Yeah, and or like even I know we both hated it when it happened, but making Doc Ock. Yeah. Peter Parker. It ended up being okay. It did. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time in Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. And I feel... I actually... It's one of the one things I want to go on record and say, like, I feel like a total dick about being so angry <laughs> when you, it happened. You didn't send death threats. I didn't. Writer, <laughs> I just so, said it was horseshit. But yeah. I wasn't, like... I wasn't reading Spider-Man as much then. And then when I came back, I got that Marvel Unlimited app uh, for the iPad. I picked up all the amazing Spider-Man, like the hundred issues leading up to Superior Spider-Man, and then read Superior Spider-Man, and liked it a whole lot more. Yeah. I think they did a really great job of like, like actually prefacing it too, you know, like sure. uh, and making you really feel like Spider-Man has kind of gotten his stuff together, and then pulling the rug out from under him. And they did it in a respectful way, I think, that was still true to the character. Yeah. And of course, Spider-Man's going to come back. Everyone knew, you right? Know, like. How wouldn't he? But it's the journey, not yeah, the destination. Exactly. And the journey with Superior Spider-Man's great. Like they do a really good job of 
keeping his voice in check and really because it's still at the undercurrent of it all because you know that Peter Pat. Peter, Peter Parker. Peter Parker. <laughs> you know that Peter Parker is going to come back. So you're just kind of watching Doc Ock destroy his life in the perfect, most Doc Ockian way possible. Where, you know? like, things are actually going well for Peter. Like, Jonah Jameson likes Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Right out the gate, Doc Ock's like, no, fuck you, I'm going to blackmail you. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and just, like, ruining his relationships. And he's ruining his life in... A way that Doc Ock never could. Yeah. You know, by like, cause that's how you get to Peter Parker is like affecting his personal life. Again, like talking about Marvel's villains, it's so cool because like, he, he's almost sympathetic because he's just like so much pride. Like yeah. he's not trying to be a bad guy. No. He just legitimately thinks like, I'm the smartest person there is. Right. And I know how to do this. Right. And it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's, it's total, it's a totally good ride. And uh, like looking at him interacting with old, like old colleagues of his as yeah. Spider-Man villains and how much disdain he has for like the shocker or Electro. Yeah. Yeah. Like he thinks they're fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, he treats them totally differently than Spider-Man ever did. Yeah. They're like, and they're stunned by it too. They're like, what? How do you, why are you yeah. so mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty great. Also, the, there's also the very uncomfortable fact that Doc Ock dated Aunt May for a, for a moment of time. And yeah. so whenever he sees Aunt May, he's actually kind of attracted to her, <laughs> which is a very uncomfortable, uh, <laughs> but very fun, uh, thing to, for me. Nice. It's just, it's just like a perfect, <laughs> what a, what a great way to destroy Peter Parker's life and yeah. put that specific character into it. Yeah, you absolutely. Um, they did a really good job on that. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's a yeah there's a lot that they're doing right. I I wish you know I, I really wish that DC would relax themselves a little bit um, and allow their creators to take these characters and go new places rather than try to rehash the same stories over and over and over again. Even the cinematic universe, like Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, it just looks like, yeah. like holy shit! Like we need to put everyone in a movie right now, right? You know, yeah. and that's I, I don't know. It's misguided. I, it is misguided. I hope it's good, but yeah. like I don't expect it to be. Yeah, I mean, Man of Steel. I, I went into Man of Steel with no expectations. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm on the record on a, on a Your Stories podcast of being an <laughs> ardent disliker of uh, yeah. of Superman as a character. Uh, I went in there with no expectations, wanting to like it, and was very turned off by the last, you know, 45 minutes of the movie and everything that happened in that, that yeah. course of disaster porn that they were filming instead of a Superman movie. Uh I am I am uh, the biggest Christopher Nolan fanboy you'll ever see, and I think that he may have done more damage for DC movies uh, than helped them because this whole like gritty movie yeah. thing is it should have ended when the third Batman like, like Dark Knight Rises should have been the last like gritty reboot. Yeah, I think like you can, you can tone it down a bit. Like you don't have to you don't have to go back to like. <laughs> you don't have to go back to like Batman and Robin type like over the topness with the yeah. next Superman movie, but like, well, you have to think about it this way: like, uh, we give we've given the Superman movie a lot of shit. The first Superman movie, yeah, yeah. literally, it's on the record. We <laughs> yeah. have a script. Yeah, we have a three hundred page script ribbing on uh, the Superman movie. Uh, but the one thing that it did right was just like being what we said about said earlier about Guardians of the Galaxy. Like enjoying that tone of this yeah. is just like colorful. It's I so mean, it's, uncynical. It's which it's is great. It's Superman. He's yeah. he's a guy who can fly and do anything, and he can save the world. 
Let my, him save the world. My favorite scene in that movie is the first scene when he shows up in Metropolis and people are like, they see him, they're not like, who is that? Like, yeah. what's he doing? They're like, whoa, that guy is flying. That's yeah. cool. Like, yeah. He's our hero. I think that's really sweet. Yeah. Maybe a little simplistic, but I like it. Well, I mean, but Superman is simplistic. Yeah. You know? And it's purposely you know, so. In a sense. In a sense, yeah. There's definitely complexities to him. But there's like... Like the joy of what he does, what he brings as a character is so simplistic. It's yeah. so like this is a man who can do anything. Yeah, that's very you know? true. Like, so of course he just needs to be the best person he can be. You know, and a Man of Steel it doesn't really do that. It's very, it's a very well shot. Like, it's a gorgeous movie to watch. You know, just in terms of like visuals. Well, it's a Zack Snyder movie. It's a Zack Snyder, yeah. But it doesn't have any of the heart of Superman. Like, what makes Superman a uh, of wonderful character to right. read, you know. Like I really liked reading action comics because it was a young Superman who was just like very bold and yes. like very like protecting of of people, just like know? regular people too. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. when in the in the action comic Grant Morrison run of New Fifty Two, he just like there's a tenement just being bulldozed by these people, and he flies in and saves them. He yeah. just he stops the wrecking ball. Yeah. You know, like that's a Superman thing to do. Right. You know. They're spl- they're, people are getting displaced, you know. It's like this lo-fi Superman, and I really like it, where even, yeah. like, the fights he has in that book, until he meets Brainiac, it's just, like, these fucking cobbled-together army robots. Like, they're not, like, weird sci-fi things. They're yeah. just, like, tin cans from the 50s. Right. I think it's cool. It's a, a nice sense of the character as just, like, a good person. Yeah. He's a good person who has a, a crazy amount of power. And, like, yeah. I, I actually did kind of like Man of Steel, but I definitely take the point as far as tone. I can't agree with you 100%, though, about Nolan because I think Dark Knight is one of the my it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So like no matter what he does down the line, I'll always love Dark Knight. Yeah. No, you know, yeah. I think Christopher Nolan's great. I just mean it's oh, it's like uh I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but like sometimes like something great comes out and someone creates something great and then it's not their fault. It, it's no one's fault, but they're then interpreted, or or, or so like yeah, the Dark Knight trilogy. Should I'm so glad it, it brought me back into comic movies, brought me back into Batman and all that. I just think that the aftershock now uh, is going to be all these like weird gritty movies that shouldn't necessarily be weird gritty movies. Well, it's Man, it's a tex- Man of Steel is a textbook case of them missing the point. Yeah, right. Because exactly. like the reason why Dark Knight was so good was it got Batman right. Well, you know, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't get like comic book movies right. It right. got Batman right. Exactly. And I always see like uh, terms of like Batman and Superman. Like Superman's very colorful. Batman's very dark and grim and gray. Yeah. Right. And so they did a very dark and grim and gray movie for Batman. You know. Because right. yeah. like when you think of Metropolis, you think of like blisteringly bright vistas yeah. of like golden gilded city. You know, right. with like the with the Daily Planet. You know, circling and like and Superman flying overhead and like flying cars even in some yeah, places. Yeah. You know, like very bright. Like, like in the animated series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like future. It's a future city, and you look, and then you Gotham's like down the river, and it's like grim and shitty, and like everything's like fifties, you know, like everything is out of place. And so they took the conceit of like, well, they got the dark and grim and gritty right, so we should just do that for Superman, you know. Versus like they got the tone of Batman right, you know, we should get the tone of Superman right. right. Exactly. What's funny is that what's happening to comic book movies, what you're talking about, is exactly what happened in comics 30 years ago with Watchmen and with Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And uh, it's the same two things almost. It's like Zack Snyder doing Watchmen and uh, and Superman. Yeah. And like, yeah, people take the tone, but the tone wasn't what was cool about it. What was cool about it was how like insightful it was for what it was doing. Yeah. Or like the form of the story. But like because of Dark Knight Returns, you had 
15 years of really dark, shitty comic yeah, books. exactly. Like, why was the first promotional photo for Batman v Superman for Superman's outfit when they the first promotional photo is him, like, awkwardly kind of f- floating in the sky with yeah. rain everywhere? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's so emo. Like, like right. what? Is, it's Superman. Right. <laughs> it's, Someone like, like, the Batman photo makes sense. It's Batman. You yeah. know, he's in front of his Batmobile and he's dark and brooding and gray. It yeah. should be, exactly. It should be, it should be light versus dark. It like, should be like. Eh, yeah, it, it should be Superman <laughs> flying in the sun or something, right. you know? Like yeah. <laughs> someone should be like, "There's somewhere, there's a companion photo of Batman set against a rainbow, riding a unicorn," or something. <laughs> because that's like the counterpoint to that Superman. <laughs> yeah, photo. it's really it misses the point. It, You're right. it totally is. It's totally uh, off-putting. You yeah. know, it's like uh, it's, they just can't get it right. I don't. I don't know what what it, why they are so hell bent on not making a Superman that is just like a Boy Scout. Because yeah. Yeah. when every story that is personif- that personifies Superman well, it, if they just take the phrase bright, the big blue Boy Scout, that is literally what Superman is. Well, you yeah, know? let me ask you then: What about Superman Returns? Right, Superman Returns misses the point too. But I feel like he's kind of a Boy Scout in that. Yeah, he, but I think that's a bad movie for other reasons. Yeah, it, they're they're continuing a story that didn't need to be continued. Uh, they also. Also, still tried to make it very dark and gray, you know. I feel like, and they turn it into. I mean, yeah. even though Superman's easily a Jesus metaphor all the time, mm-hmm. they really go hardcore into that with that movie. Um, I think they get the flying right. Yeah. I actually think that the flying in uh, Superman Returns is my favorite of Superman flying in any movie. It also was like a total remake of Superman One, as far as the villain yeah. plot, which really yeah. bothered me. Oh, yeah. Lex wants land again. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's a new one. It's just a series that didn't need to be continued. Yeah, you know, they didn't need to continue that storyline because it's confusing. Because yeah. there were three other, are there two other movies after that? Quest for Peace and whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a New Hope. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Episode four, New Hope. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He fights the soup, the the radio, the nuclear man, or something. Like yeah. That. Oh, Ri- Superman three is obviously the Richard Pryor movie. The Richard Pryor movie, right? Star- kind of the kid. <laughs> the kid. Yeah, yeah it's the kid. <laughs> I got Superman as a toy now. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I I think I think that they it's 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 a little it's a little unfortunate. I think Zack Snyder's the bad horse to to back. All the time, I hate Zack Snyder. <laughs> he made some truly horrendous movies. He's all he's all flair and no substance. Yeah, Watchmen like literally offends me, which I know yeah. some people don't. I agree with you on that, point, but it makes me angry how bad it was. Well, they they uh, let's take he's really good at at the the beauty of it. Yeah, but yeah. he doesn't know how to direct actors. He only knows how to direct actors into like his shot, but he doesn't know how to like get any of the emotion out of it. It's just like. Everything is done through complicated shooting rather than doing it through the actors themselves. Yeah. I was going to say he should do he should be like a combat director. Like his fight scenes, I think like are a, great. Oh yeah, yeah. For almost, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. His films are gorgeous. Yeah, his fight scenes are great. Three hundred, he was like great in terms of like just the way it looks. Obviously, they're like it's like a moving painting. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's almost like. Um, but yeah, I think outside of that, I think the Man of Steel trailer. <laughs> is probably one of the most like heartfelt Superman tributes I've ever seen in my entire sure. life. Yeah. Like that trailer almost brought me to tears watching it. Yeah. Just like especially after like all of this stuff like gritty stuff and you know everything and like especially like with like shootings and stuff at like Batman movies and stuff and then you have like the dark or you have Man of Steel and you see this kid with the cape and and you hear, you know, uh uh John John Kent 
talking about like uh, they're gonna watch you. They're gonna um, you're gonna bring them forward. They're gonna crawl, stumbling, falling, uh, reaching after you as you bring them towards the sun. You know, and like that first time of him like looking up and feeling the sun in his face, and then putting his fists on the ground and then flying yeah. like shooting up into the air and flying after all these like marvel movies of like no one can fly no one can do anything and then just like someone just like fucking flying like it can like get your heart yeah because it's like that's superman uh but then you actually watch the movie and it's maybe like a third of that yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I like what i like about it is i felt like superman himself was like well played i think yeah Andrew cable did well i think he was written pretty well but yeah, like the tone, the whole movie strikes is just—it's it, like they took a good Superman and put him in a really awful movie. Yeah, mm. they did. That, I think that's a fair. I did like Zod though. I did like the actor that played Zod. Michael Shannon. Yeah, He's you're just saying that in case you ever do a show with Michael Shannon. No, I don't <laughs> think that's ever going to happen. No, no. covering I, your bases there yeah. pretty hard. I mean, not, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, I think Michael Shannon's great. Yeah. Bordock Empire is great. Okay, you should go. call him. <laughs> If you uh, want to play uh, StarCraft 2 and me, Battle.net <laughs> <laughs> is Jando's king. Call back to the last episode. Don't go outside. Yeah. Play StarCraft with Jando. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I thought he was great. General Zod. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and actually, uh, kind of like when uh, the opening sequence, what uh, Krypton was like, that's what Thor 1 should have been like for Asgard. Mm. Mm. That's Bring how I feel. Back. Yeah. yeah, when I watched that, I'm like, this should have been Asgard. This should have been like what it felt like, but like the expansion of it, not necessarily what it looked or, but like what they showed of it. Mm. But don't you like how in the first Superman movie everything is like made of very brittle glass? <laughs> yes, yeah, I do like that. Everyone is wearing like Saran wrap, like, yeah. like, brittle, brittle glass that was just like sharp edges everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible to see too. Yeah. <laughs> everything is so white, stark oh, white. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what their toilets look like. Uh, very painful. <laughs> <laughs> and you could slide right off it. <laughs> their toilet is literally just a spike. Yeah. <laughs> Where do I? I sit oh, right, right here, right into the top of the spike. <laughs> yeah. But then where do I just sit on it? No, I don't want to just sit it on it. It goes right up there. <laughs> It'll collect your poop and pull it out of you. Uh, guys, so this has been a fun podcast uh, for sure. Um, we are all certainly experts of our field. I think it's pretty interesting, pretty informative. Yeah, I love fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was actually thinking about this on after seeing the movie last night. I was like, man, I just want to I want to listen to a podcast where I talk where people talk about Guardians of the Galaxy the entire time. So this is very close. We kind of did, kind of did that a little. Well, uh, we couldn't really. It's yeah. kind of bummer we didn't talk about birds a lot, though. I really hope the next episode of the Bird Logcast kind of hits that. A little I don't know bit. if yeah. we'll have another episode of the Bird Logcast. Oh, you think this might be it? Yeah, that might be it. I think uh, this is one and done. All right, yeah, Jerk Logcast, Jerk Logcast next. Right, great. Yeah. You'll be on that one for yeah, sure, Jando. Totally. Lollapalookast. <laughs> Talk about all the bands we didn't see this weekend. All right, right. All right. of them. For sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, cool. Uh, any last thoughts from you guys? I mean, just like, I like I like Michael Shannon because <laughs> his eyes are front-facing. <laughs> and he wants the dick. He knows what he wants. Please catch me something. <laughs> Anything from you? Uh, I'll just echo what Jando said. <laughs> All right.
well, thank you so much for listening. We have tons of great podcasts on the podcast network at nerdologs.com. Listen to all of them. Uh, great stuff coming out every day of the week. Also videos and stuff like that. Um, so check those out. We have a lot of cool announcements on the way. Um, nothing we can really talk about too much. Uh, of course, we are at Jangle Heart Festival, Jangle Heart Circus. Yeah. Uh, we are the Saturday of the Jangle Heart Circus at 8 p.m., in the big space. Uh, don't know all of the specifics on uh, pricing or anything like that, but go to JangleHeartCircus.com to get all the info on getting tickets for that. That show's going to be really rad. Uh, we're super excited about it. We're super excited about being part of the festival, so go check that out. Uh, follow updates on at Nerdalongs or on the Facebook page. Um, and that should do it. Cool. Chris, your eyes are really front-facing. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, send help. <laughs> Thank you, bye! <laughs> Booyah! This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all, thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.